Startup Nation. This is Dr. Carol. I'm just here, wanted to give you guys some helpful tips and things to remember as we move and navigate through this unprecedented uh, health pandemic. The first thing you guys want to remember is please wash your hands thoroughly and frequently. Wash your hands for at least 20 seconds under warm water with soap. If you do not have access to a sink with warm water and soap, please use hand sanitizer um, that contains at least 60% alcohol. The next thing you want to do is please avoid large crowds and social gatherings. As young people, our immune systems are typically healthier and so we can be asymptomatic, which basically means that we can carry uh, the virus if we come in contact with it and our immune system will recover. But we also pose the risk of spreading it to those who are immunocompromised or who have chronic health conditions and our older people. So please avoid large large crowds if you can. The next thing I would say is use respiratory hygiene. If you have to sneeze, if you have to cough, please cover your mouth in your sleeve, not with your hands. Please avoid touching your hands and face after you've done this as well. And please, again, wash your hands. And lastly, if you feel sick, if you have any of these symptoms, which is high fever, uh, initially a dry cough or fatigue, please seek medical help early. If you've been exposed to someone who might have had had the virus or been in contact, please stay at home to avoid spreading the virus to anyone else. Again, this is something serious, so we don't want to take it lightly. But those are just some helpful tips and reminders uh, for you guys as we navigate through this pandemic. I hope you guys have a great day and uh, stay safe. This episode of The Startup Life is powered by Colony Spark. Startup Nation, with our economy in flux, there is a lot of mixed messaging out there. If there was ever a time to take control of the narrative and let your customers know that you're here to serve them, it's now. And that's why you have a friend in Colony Spark. Colony Spark is an omni-channel marketing agency that believes in the power of community to ignite your business. They have helped companies across many industries with lead generation, revenue growth, and more to put them on the path to success. My guy Bill Murphy and his team are very good at what they do. How do I know this? Because not many SEO companies have the stamp of approval of being partnered with Google. Yes, that Google. So I want you to go to www.colonyspark.com forward slash startup to schedule a meeting today. In that meeting, you will review your current marketing activity, receive actionable advice on how to pivot and grow, and ask any marketing questions you may have on navigating over the next few months. Look, Startup Nation, I know things may seem uncertain right now, but if you are looking for a business partner that can help light the way, go with Colony Spark, where they firmly believe in business helping business. The startup life is powered by Ladder. Startup Nation, as an entrepreneur, you are the engine that powers your business. We have had many entrepreneurs on the show, from those that played Division II basketball, quite a few Ironman participants, and even an NFL quarterback. And the one thing they all have in common is that they know getting early morning workout wins leads to business success for the day. However, it's super important what fuel you use for your workout to get that early morning success. And that's where Ladder comes in. Ladder is a sports nutrition company founded by LeBron James and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Unlike other supplements, every batch is tested by a third party that is trusted by all major professional sports organizations, including the NBA, NFL, MLB, and more to verify the highest standards for quality, but more importantly, safety. Ladder's goal is to help you unlock your best in any situation. Right now, that means access to special offers and expert advice from their community. Personally, I like superfood greens. Not only does it include the most essential nutrients that are hard to get in your diet, like magnesium, zinc, B vitamins, vitamin D, 
They also included the Rodelio root, which helps keep you healthier when stress is high, but also it helps support immunity according to many studies. Use code BETTEREVERYDAY for 30% off everything site-wide at ladder.sport. That's BETTEREVERYDAY for 30% off at ladder.sport. So maybe you're not trying to be a four-time league MVP or a seven-time Mr. Olympia, but you still need the tools to elevate your health that elevates your business. So go with Ladder and prepare to get better every day. It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation, so I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career-minded professionals. And you know, Startup Nation, whether you're on your path to entrepreneurship or uh, you're working a nine-to-five and you're thinking about a promotion or something like that, negotiating is all about asking those great questions and listening to the other side. And it's honestly, no matter if you're trying to bid on a contract or myself personally, you're trying to negotiate a proper snack time for a seven-year-old. But either way, negotiations are super important. And that's why we have a fantastic guest to help us out with that today. She is an award-winning professor and the director of the Mediation Clinic at Columbia Law School, a world-renowned negotiation trainer for the United Nations. And she is also the author of Ask for More, 10 Questions to Negotiate Anything. She is the one and only Alexandra Carter. How's it going, A. Carter? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you today? I can't complain. Living a dream, living a dream, considering <laughs> everything for sure. For sure. Are you ready to pour some knowledge into Startup Nation today? Oh, you bet. All I got to right. tell you, you know, um, I've been home for the last six weeks and, <laughs> you know, really, I think grappling with some of the stuff that I anticipate your listeners are grappling with and I'm Absolutely. ready to have this conversation. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Well, so, you know, let's just dive kind of into it before we kind of hop into the book and everything, just kind of share with us, you know, what you've been experiencing, what's your new normal, whether it be your professional life or at home as well? Yeah, well, so on March 2nd, 2020, okay. I had a great day. I did a I did a podcast and I, you know, went out to lunch with my team for the book. Uh, and they were saying, wow, Alex, you have so many speaking engagements all over the country. Mm. You booked some television shows. What a few months this is going to be for you. Right. And then over the course of the next week, all of that evaporated. Absolutely. The TV show that had booked me shut down. Right. The events got canceled. And so, and I'm all, I'm at home with my daughter and husband. And so I've been using the tools from my book to help me figure out what problems I can wake up and solve every day. I hear that. And I have to say that as useful as they are when we're not in a crisis, they are even more useful now. And they're what's keeping me sane and moving forward every day. Interesting. Interesting. Thank you for sharing that. And I was actually going to ask, I'm actually going to ask something uh, about that later when it comes to essential workers and hazard pay, because I saw an article mm. uh, no, that you kind of shared on social media. But before we get into that, once again, Startup Nation, the book is Ask for More. 10 Questions to Negotiate Anything. And I love this book because, you know, Alex broke it up in two parts. You know, part one and part two. Part one is the mirror. Part two is the window. And I thought that was fascinating. So, Alex, if you would just kind of share with us, why did you break up the book in those two parts like that? And why was that, you know, why was that important? Yeah, you know, I did this because I think a lot of us, you know, grew up or started our professional life by thinking that negotiation was a back and forth with somebody else over money. Right. And, you know, that's a pretty limited definition of negotiation. And 
when people think that negotiation starts the moment you sit down with somebody else, they miss a big part of how it works. Gotcha. You know, negotiation doesn't start when you sit down to talk with somebody else. It starts at home with you. And negotiation starts when you are steering your own internal conversation so that you approach the negotiation with somebody else from a place of clarity and confidence. Mm. When you don't spend that time with yourself first, chances are you might have what I call a negotiation one car accident, you know, where you basically run into sort of the walls in your own brain and you have trouble sort of prioritizing or figuring out what you're looking for. And when you spend just a few minutes with yourself first, you're going to do much better. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. And I I was going to ask this later, but I wanted to ask now because you talked about spending that time with yourself first. It's almost kind of like, you know, uh, you know, doing some of that pre-work before you even get to the negotiating table. And that's super important uh, because I imagine, you know, obviously you're the expert. uh, I imagine that once you start to kind of figure that out at the negotiating table, you're probably kind of. Uh, starting from a place of, you know, well, at least starting from a not a good place. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I think you're not, you know, what happens if you don't spend the time is that frequently you're going to settle for less when gotcha. you could ask for more, right? right? And right. so, you know, that's the reason, you know, you noted that I broke my book down into two parts, right? So the first part is what I call the mirror section. Right. That's where you're taking the time and it doesn't have to be a lot of time. You know, it could be 20 minutes where you're asking yourself five great questions. Then when you sit down with somebody else, you're ready for what I call the window section where you have five great questions that you can ask somebody else. And those are going to help you get clear on that other person, on the situation so that you can create a better deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. Now, in reading the book, I saw that, uh, you know, you know, you talked about the limited scope of how we see negotiations, which is probably themed from you know movies that we watch or people that we receive uh, mentorship from and stuff like that. But you say that your uh, particular type of philosophy of negotiating came from a trip to Hawaii. Kind of share with us a little bit about that. <laughs> So I went to Hawaii on my honeymoon Mm -hmm. uh, and we were there and we got in a kayak and, you know, I'm, I'm in my kayak paddling and our guide looks back at us and says, please negotiate your kayaks to the left so we can wind up on that beach over there. Right. And that was the moment that I thought, oh my gosh. Negotiation is not just the back and forth over money that you do with your boss once a year. When you negotiate a kayak, what are you doing? You're steering. Right. And that's what negotiation is. It's any conversation in which you are steering a relationship. So that includes the relationships with all the people who are in your home right now. Right. It includes the relationships with, you know, the people you're working with or clients or potential clients and it includes the relationship with yourself. And so steering that conversation first with yourself helps you get clear on, you know, which beach you're trying to reach, you know, mm. before you then sit down with somebody else and open up that conversation. Absolutely. And, and I, what I hear in that answer is that it's also, you know, managing those relationships as well before those negotiations, correct? 
Because I imagine if you're steering and you just stop steering, you know, you start drifting over to one side and all of a sudden when it's time to ask for that promotion or raise or something like that, you're violently overcorrecting to the other side. So I, I appreciate that as well, where you talk about like managing the relationships before even the negotiation mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, even if you think about, you know, over the course of your career, you know, when you're steering, you're piloting yourself toward where you want to go. Right. If you're not actively steering, if you're not in saying, here's where I see myself going, you know, here's where I'd like to end up, then you run the risk of other people kind of steering for you. Right. You know, it's the same thing. Like you said, when you put your paddle down, what happens? The water's going to kind of take you where it wants to go. Right. And so I want to encourage people, you're going to actually feel less pressure around the big money conversations if you're working more intentionally on steering your relationships and steering your career throughout the year, right? It's like paddling one step at a time toward that gorgeous beach that you're trying to reach. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And you also talk about in your book that asking great questions is super important uh, when negotiating and things of that nature. What does that look like? What What does those conversations with great questions look like? Is it like open-ended questions or something? How does that look? Yeah, you know, I'm so glad you mentioned open-ended questions because I think a lot of people go in and they think they should ask a closed question, right? So they they go in and they say, you know, um, can we raise my salary 20%? You know, what are the answers to that question? It's basically a yes or no. And most of the time when you ask people a yes or no question, what's the easiest way for them to answer? It's just a no. Instead, I like to go in and say, you know, I see myself rising right to a position in management. Tell me how we can work together to get me there. You know, I've done some research and I know what the salary range should be for this position. You know, tell me what the company can do and how we can work together to bring my compensation closer to that mark. That is a totally different question that really almost compels the other person to work with you to try to find a solution. Gotcha. But I imagine, you know, just a quick follow-up, if I may. I imagine, though, sometimes, like, when we ask open-ended questions, it just kind of opens up a Pandora's box and something comes on the table that you didn't kind of expect. How do you navigate those waters where something in a negotiation just kind of like, oh, my God, I didn't plan for that one. Like, how do you manage through that? Yeah. So, first of all, the way you manage through that is to prepare, right? So, if you have taken some time to ask yourself some great questions, you're already coming in from a place where you know your stuff cold. Okay. So let's say now, right. That you get, you still get something you didn't expect. Right. All right. So let's say you go in and you're asking about a raise or more compensation and, and somebody, you know, raises a concern you didn't know, you know, I would argue that that's actually a good thing because most of the time people may have a concern, but they don't share it. You just don't get the deal. Right. Right. You don't get the raise. You don't get the client. The silence is the feedback. So if somebody raises a concern, that's actually a great thing. I would say, you know, thank you for letting me know. Tell me more about the concern. And then I would actually summarize what they said and let them know that I really heard the concern out. Why? Because when people tell you concerns they have, that's actually the key to making a deal. They're giving you the keys to the kingdom. They're showing you what the barrier is to achieving an agreement, and they're giving you a target to aim at. You know, I recently counseled a um, a startup client, and they were going in. They produce a product, 
And they were doing really, really well in New York and L.A., and they were trying to expand into the Midwest. And twice they had gone in for a meeting with a big distributor. They went in, they did their pitch, they were sure they were getting the deal, and they did not get the deal. Mm. So they got a third call, they go back in, and this time I said, you're not going to lead with your pitch deck. They went in and they said, so we're so glad to be here. We've been here twice before. Tell us your concerns with our product. Silence. The person on the other end took a moment really to register the fact that they were giving her the open floor. And finally, she said, okay, you want to know my concerns? You know, I really thought this was too premium a product for my area. I just couldn't see my consumers going for it. Mm. Recently, I'll be honest, I feel like the data are a little bit more mixed. I'm still not convinced, but it was enough to, you know, uh, give you the meeting. Right. They were like, great. Okay. So some of the questions they were able to answer right there. They then said, you know, we can follow up with more data to show you, right? We're going to send you all the numbers to show you why this is really going to work right now in your area. So they met the concern. They won the deal. So, you know, I would say even if you get something you don't expect, okay, you can still summarize that concern and you can work to get the person that information they need in order to turn a no into a yes. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. Once again, Startup Nation, we're talking to Alex Carter, the author of Ask for More, 10 Questions to Negotiate Anything. And each of the chapters, Startup Nation, literally is a question, which I thought was fascinating uh, as well. I wanted to ask you this, Alex, because, you know, a lot of time, you know, obviously negotiating is all about talking. But you also stress the point that, you know, listen to what's not being said, I guess, like maybe body language and gestures and stuff like that. What am I looking for uh, when I'm looking you know, when I'm talking and I'm looking for things that's not necessarily being said? What am I looking for? Oh, gosh. You know, great question. There's a lot you're looking for. You know, you'd be surprised how often, for example, I ask somebody, you know, so it sounds like this proposal is going to work for you. And they say yes. And while they are saying yes, they are actually shaking their head. No, Mm, (laughs) you know, I think a lot of times, you know, there's there's body language. And sometimes I can look at somebody's face and I can see that you know, they're hesitating. And if I see that, you know, I might look at them and say, just looking at you, I feel like there's something I missed, right? That we're not quite there. You still might have another concern. And so if you do, I want to invite you to share it. In other words, I treat like the body communication as communication. You know, I might even say to somebody, if they say, yeah, this is going to work for me, you know, I might say like your your words told me yes, but I feel like your face is telling me not yet, you know, right. and I'd, I'd really love to create the best deal possible. So some of the things you can look for, right, um, if somebody is looking uh, hesitant, if they, um, you know, if, for example, they're shaking under the table, right, mm-hmm. it might show you that they're experiencing strong emotions. Gotcha. Um, you know, sometimes a silence can be really important. And I think if you look at people Sometimes you can tell that they're silent because you just asked them a really great question and they are for the first time now coming up with a potential solution. So there's a lot. I look at the face. I look at the body. I look at hand gestures and I listen even for the pauses in the conversation to let me know maybe what people are holding back on. If I could add a final point, you know, right now we're in coronavirus. Okay. 
And I would bet that a lot of your listeners are negotiating virtually. <clears throat> they may be negotiating over the phone right. or over Zoom. Mm -hmm. And so if I could give a point, it is extra important to listen to people's voices. You know, do you hear them trembling? Do you hear, you know, does it sound like they're getting agitated or upset? You know, we want to, especially during a time of crisis, make sure we're picking a time, you know, the right timing for our negotiation, right. you know, and making sure that if it seems like you hear in somebody's voice that they're really stressed, offering to take a break or to reconvene at another time. If you're over Zoom, try as much as you can to really look at the body language and their face. The more information you can get, the better. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. I actually want to ask a quick follow-up. Thank you. That's valuable information because, as you say, a lot of people are having those conversations over Zoom or some type of video conferencing or whatever the case may be. But I want to ask a follow-up because – what if it's not necessarily happening over Zoom? Maybe it's ho happening via email or maybe even text message or wherever the case may be. You know, obviously we communicate in a many different ways now. But like, are there certain words or phrases I should be looking for as well? Yeah. OK, very interesting. So even over email, okay. you know, what I'll say right now is over email you know, it's much harder to read people's tone. You know this. Of and course. so I will say that during this time, I just have found that people are under tremendous stress. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I actually teach a webinar on how to negotiate through a crisis. You know, I'll give you the, the location for that. It's free and people can access it. Please. But one of the things I teach is that, you know, when there's a rise in stress, people can sometimes see a totally neutral email and read it almost like a threat or, you know, because they're experiencing so much fear. So for example, the other day, I asked somebody just to remind me what time we had scheduled an event for. Right. I honestly meant, you know, that I had a lot going on and I just wanted to be reminded. I think that person thought that I was trying to communicate that they hadn't been clear, mm. you know? And so they wrote back and said, you know, I'm sorry, I, I thought I wrote this in an email already. And I wrote them back and said, I just want you to know you've been a great partner. You know, gotcha. there's there's nothing that you didn't do. I'm so grateful. You know, all I wanted was to make sure I could remember. And, you know, thanks for uh, for helping me out. The person completely calmed down after that. It's because right now people are feeling two big emotions. I call them the big two because I find that they kill deals more than any other. They're mm. feeling fear and guilt, right? That. So people right now, if you see anger, if you see irritability, if you see defensiveness, it's because people are trying to cover up for the big two. They feel fear. You know, what's going to happen to my business? What's going to happen to me personally, my right. family, my health? Right. And they're feeling guilt. You know, could I have done more? Could I be doing more? You know, should I have put myself in a better position? And so I find that my single biggest weapon to combat that over email is to frequently acknowledge people, right? So even if they're late getting back to me, right, to let them know that I know this is a really challenging time, I appreciate their work with me, and I want to partner with them to get this done in the easiest way possible. The more I acknowledge over email, the better results I get. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing it. And I'm glad you, you mentioned that because uh, clearly you've been looking at my notes on my laptop here uh, because that leads <laughs> us right into my next question because in that response, you, you're talking about empathy and you talk about in your book, considering your feelings brings relief and results because 
you know, along with that narrow mindedness that we talked about where we see negotiations, we also are kind of talked about, you got to be, you got to be stern and and, and firm on your position and don't hold back. I mean, don't uh, back down and stuff like that. But you say you should consider your feelings when it comes into negotiations and stuff like that. Kind of share with us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I love that you brought it up that way, because I think a lot of times people feel like, if you show empathy, it means that you can't stand up for your worth. Right. And that's just not the case, right? You know, the first thing with feelings is to consider your own before you go into a negotiation. Right. Why? Because a lot of times, if we if we come to terms in advance, if we acknowledge, you know, I'm feeling anxiety about this, I'm feeling frustration with this person. If we deal with those emotions in advance, we're less likely to have them kind of boomerang on us when we talk to somebody and come up um, in an unproductive way. So it's really important to consider our feelings. You know, feelings also are how we make decisions. And so if you know what you're feeling about a situation, you know, I've counseled people before where we talked through an issue and they thought they had all the information. And then I asked them how they were feeling about a situation. Mm -hmm. And it was in the process of discussing their feelings that they said, you know what, I actually need to take a different course of action. So definitely, you know, getting in touch with your own feelings before you go in to talk to somebody else is really important. I would also say that when you acknowledge somebody else's feelings, you know, you make them more likely to give you what you're looking for. I found, in fact, you know, that, you know, acknowledging people and saying this must be a tremendously stressful time, what can I do to help you, is a way that, you know, then they almost become an advocate for the deal that I want, right. you know? And so really, you know, considering people's feelings and considering your own can only benefit you you know, whether you're in a startup or a more established company. In the end, when you treat people as human beings, you recruit them onto your team and then they become advocates for the deal that you want. I hear that. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. Once again, Startup Nation, the book is Ask for More. And if you're listening to the replay on the podcast, we have a link there in the show notes for you to purchase the book because it is out today. Uh, and speaking of uh, being out, I, I actually saw on social media that you're actually recording the audio version of the book as well. <sighs> Well, I sure did. And and I wonder if your uh, listeners would like a little bit of behind the scenes on that. Oh, please so, do. Um, you know, back in in uh, early April, okay. I got a call saying, um, we want you to record the audiobook, but all of the studios are shut down. Right. And so, <laughs> Startup Nation, <laughs> I found a microphone that I had in a box. Mm -hmm. My husband cleaned out a closet in my home, and my daughter built me a uh, fort full of blankets to muffle the sound. Nice. And I recorded that audiobook for four days in my closet Pretty and awesome. spoke to my listener. <laughs> yep. All right, Startup Nation, so we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to The Startup Life. The 
startup life is powered by Ladder. Startup Nation, as an entrepreneur, you are the engine that powers your business. We have had many entrepreneurs on the show, from those that played Division II basketball, quite a few Ironman participants, and even an NFL quarterback. And the one thing they all have in common is that they know getting early morning workout wins leads to business success for the day. However, it's super important what fuel you use for your workout to get that early morning success. And that's where Ladder comes in. Ladder is a sports nutrition company founded by LeBron James and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Unlike other supplements, every batch is tested by a third party that is trusted by all major professional sports organizations, including the NBA, NFL, MLB, and more to verify the highest standards for quality, but more importantly, safety. Ladder's goal is to help you unlock your best in any situation. Right now, that means access to special offers and expert advice from their community. Personally, I like superfood greens. Not only does it include the most essential nutrients that are hard to get in your diet, like magnesium, zinc, B vitamins, and vitamin D, they also included the Rodelio root, which helps keep you healthier when stress is high, but also it helps support immunity according to many studies. Use code BETTEREVERYDAY for 30% off everything site-wide at ladder.sport. That's BETTEREVERYDAY for 30% off at ladder.sport. So maybe you're not trying to be a four-time league MVP or a seven-time Mr. Olympia, but you still need the tools to elevate your health that elevates your business. So go with Ladder and prepare to get better every day. This episode of The Startup Life is powered by Colony Spark. Startup Nation, with our economy in flux, there is a lot of mixed messaging out there. If there was ever a time to take control of the narrative and let your customers know that you're here to serve them, it's now. And that's why you have a friend in Colony Spark. Colony Spark is an omni-channel marketing agency that believes in the power of community to ignite your business. They have helped companies across many industries with lead generation, revenue growth, and more to put them on the path to success. My guy Bill Murphy and his team are very good at what they do. How do I know this? Because not many SEO companies have the stamp of approval of being partnered with Google. Yes, that Google. So I want you to go to www.colonyspark.com forward slash startup to schedule a meeting today. In that meeting, you will review your current marketing activity, receive actionable advice on how to pivot and grow, and ask any marketing questions you may have on navigating over the next few months. Look, Startup Nation, I know things may seem uncertain right now, but if you are looking for a business partner that can help light the way, go with Colony Spark, where they firmly believe in business helping business. Startup Nation, we tell you all the time that no one does anything great on their own. That includes starting a business or a nonprofit or even becoming a thought leader or an influencer. My point is that you need a team to do it successfully and responsibly. And that is why you should contact DR and Associates. Danielle and her team provide branding solutions along with digital and social media marketing that provide tangible results you are looking for. No matter if you are a Fortune 500 company or an author looking to make an impact, DR and Associates needs to be part of your team. They are one of the few firms whose leadership has been recognized by Google, which is proof of concept that they are very good at what they do. Contact DR and Associates today to grow your online presence. The number is 615-933-3681, or you can visit their website at drandassociates.com. Also, make sure you follow their Facebook page as well. DR and Associates, providing real clients with real results. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. And so if we could just make it this a little bit more tangible, given the time and stuff like that, let's say I'm the, the, the grocer 
Let's say I'm a truck driver right now. You know, the people who are considered essential during this time, even the healthcare worker, mm -hmm. people who are deemed essential right now. And, you know, obviously they are in harm's way for obvious reasons, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm them, how am I asking for hazard pay? What are those steps that, what does those steps look like? Yeah, absolutely. And if I could just say, first of all, if you are a necessary worker right now, I want to thank you. Absolutely. Um, I'm releasing, I'm releasing a book next week. And the only reason that that book is getting out there is because there are brave people working in factories and working in shipping and loading those books onto trucks and driving them across the country. And so I want to say a personal thank you. And if any of your listeners was involved in, in preparing my book, I'd love for you to get in touch with me because I'd like to thank you personally. Absolutely. Okay. Now, so, you know, what you want to do here is first of all, right. You know, um, do a little research and figure out, you know, what, if anything, is your company offering? And I would say also do some research and figure out if your company's not offering anything, what are other companies offering, right, in the mm. space? And so figure out maybe, you know, what the universe is of options um, that you're that you're looking at. You know, and right now there are a lot of Facebook groups, even, for example, about, you know, um, workers and folks who are um, negotiating with companies. I would then also, you know, I mean, according to, um, you know, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, like, you know, you do have to try to prove that you're being exposed to coronavirus, course, right? I course. would say, though, right, that, you know, for a lot of folks, you know, hopefully that's not going to be uh, too bad. Mm -hmm. So here's what I would do. First, you do your research and you go into them and you have to define the problem you want them to solve and tell them what you need to solve it, right? So, okay. for example, as you know, we at the company have been working overtime during the most dangerous time in history to make sure we can keep serving our customers. This is what we need to protect our employees' financial and medical health at this time, right? So gotcha. in other words, you're telling them this is the problem and this is what we need to solve the problem. Now, let's say they say no. Then we're going to pull out our magic question and say, what are your concerns? Tell us your concerns with this proposal. Because once they tell you what the concerns are, you might be able to propose something else that's going to meet the concern, right? So right. let's say it's not a raise, but they're going to give you, you know, um, a, a huge amount of additional sick leave, gotcha. you know? So um, working with them on that. And if that still doesn't work, then I would ask them a question and say, you know, what does the company stand to lose? If your workers get sick and they're not compensated, mm. I would focus them then on the downsides of not coming to the table to help their folks. Right. So right. first I would start positive. Here's what other companies are doing. I would make a concrete proposal. I would, you know, deal with the concerns. And then if that all doesn't work, focus them on what they have to lose. Gotcha. Gotcha. I hope you caught all of that startup nation. De thank you so much, uh, Alex, for uh, that value you just provided for us for sure. Uh, I want to ask you this, you know, because when we're talking about negotiating, it's not always for uh, like something like a money negotiation or a bid or something like that. Sometimes it's just for uh, your, you know, your buy-in, you know, when we're talking about leaders or whatever the case may be, they have to, negotiate the buy-in for the people they want to kind of follow them as a leader what am i kind of conveying over to 
uh, no, like let's say I'm running for office or something like that, right? What am I conveying to the electorate or something like that to kind of convince them that I'm the person you should go with? Or if we're already in a leadership, established leadership role, why you should listen to me? Does that make sense? Yeah, and, and, and this is exactly the reason I wrote this book, because all of what you're talking about is a negotiation. Right. It's not just about money. In right. fact, you know, running for office is a classic example of a negotiation. You know, you are trying to communicate your view of the problems, you know, that your area faces and your solutions to meet them. You are teaching other people, your potential constituents, how to value you. You are inviting them to follow you as a leader, right? And to be in partnership and community with you. And so leaders are negotiating all the time. You are steering those relationships. And in fact, you know, the success of your organization is going to depend not just on the, you know, the money conversations, but how well you steer those relationships. And I will say that when you treat people like your partners, you know, when you treat voters as your partners in solving a problem, mm. when you treat your junior employees as partners in solving problems together, then, like I said before, you recruit them onto your team and you build incredibly powerful organizations where people will work their hardest. Why? Because people work hardest for organizations where they feel connected to the mission. Absolutely. And every time you communicate around that mission, you are steering your relationships with the people around you. And so the questions I have in the book, yes, they will help you make deals and negotiate salary, but they are also the questions you should be asking your employees every week. You know, tell me what you need right now, you know, during this crisis, you know, tell me how I can help. What are your goals to grow at this organization? The more open questions you ask people, the more you're going to create those unshakable, you know, relationships of trust that are going to produce so much value for the long term. Got you. Got you. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. Quick follow up, if I may. And uh, it just popped up in my head because I'm just curious because, you know, we have this thing called social media and we see people, you know, uh, <laughs> going back and forth about whatever topic it may be. It's not always political. It could be about anything. Um, yeah. But can some of these tactics, as far as like just trying to convince the other side, not necessarily to convince them that you're right or wrong or whatever the case may be, but just to convince them to kind of hear you. Can some of these negotiating taxes kind of work on social media? Yes, they absolutely can. You know, in fact, I, I just had a call today with a bunch of small business owners okay. who told me, you know, I, I always advise people that the first question they should ask on every occasion is tell me, mm. you know, tell me what life is looking for you like for you right now. Tell me what you need on your day to day. And people told me that even over social media, you know, if they're inviting people to connect, you know, asking them, you know, tell me one word that's describing your business needs right now, or tell me one word that's describing your day, you know, um, sending out surveys to their customers, you know, tell us your three greatest areas of need. Those types of open questions really invite people, almost compel them to be more open with you. You know, it's so much more effective than reaching out to somebody over social media, you know, posting something and saying, would you like to buy my product? Again, you know, would you like this special offer is a yes or no question. Whereas mm -hmm. if you ask people, 
tell me what you need most this week as you're negotiating through coronavirus. Right. That is a question that's going to get a lot more information. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. So, Alex, I have to ask, you know, and, and for obvious reasons, if there's like any security issues or whatever you can't disclose, obviously, I definitely understand that. But how does one become a negotiations trainer for the United Nations? Because when we told Startup Nation that we were going to be talking to you, that's like, how in the world does that happen? So if you would kind of share with us, how does that happen? Is that an appointment? Do you just kind of apply like a regular job? How does that work? All right. You want to know how it happened? Absolutely. I'll tell you. I'm going to tell you. Here's the real story about how this happened. Okay. The first time I was ever called to train at the United Nations, Mm -hmm. I was a junior professor and they called me at the last minute a week before. And you know why they called me? They called me because some older professor canceled Mm -hmm. and they looked in the directory at who else was teaching conflict resolution in the New York City area. And they said, oh, here's this young professor at Columbia Law School. Let's give her a call. And when they called. I knew that it was a huge opportunity. And so I did what a lot of your listeners would do, right? I worked day and night to bring a presentation that I knew was my best. And so when I stepped in front of that room, I taught them the same tools that I teach in this book. And it was unlike anything they'd ever had before. And the the UN would call me periodically. They'd call me a few times a year for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And then you know what I did? I decided to ask for more. Mm -hmm. So I went in to the head of their training and research department. And I said, you know, we've been working together kind of ad hoc. I've been coming in and doing individual programs for you. I'd like to be your main negotiation trainer in New York. I would like to form a partnership between Columbia Law School and the UN Institute for Training and Research. And here's my proposal. And they said, yes. So, you know, I think a lot of times success is hard work plus belief plus opportunity. I got the opportunity and I went in and I used hard work to make the most of it. And then I applied a little belief and I said, let's ask for more together. And I created something that was a win-win. And it's a program now where we have trained many hundreds of diplomats from more than 80 nations. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that because I I love that story because, you know, uh, you saw the opportunity and then you just say, like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to shoot my shot. And here we mm-hmm. are. So that that's amazing. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. I, I want to ask you this, though. You know, you know, whether it been in any type of negotiation at any level, was there ever a negotiation like that just kind of haunts you to this day? Like, man, I should have dove deeper on that point or, man, I should have held back on that point. Uh, and, you know, and maybe ultimately uh, it didn't go exactly how you want it. Has there ever been a, a, sto- a story like that? And if you if there is, can you share with us? If you Yeah, you know, I will say, you know, the first time I negotiated for salary, okay. um, you know, I I knew I needed to negotiate. And I would say, you know, I came back with one counteroffer and I realized now that I could have asked for more. So I did definitely I didn't accept just what was offered. I did ask. But I know now, you know, I think sometimes people assume that they can only ask for a little bit more. (laughs) Right. You know, they can you know, they can get an offer, they can counter offer, and people then think, I got to take the next one. And I want to encourage people, you know, to have a little bit of patience and perseverance, you know, and also to know that even if you can't get more upfront, 
you can have a lot of different options. You know, for example, you could say, well, if you can't give me a raise this year, how about a guaranteed raise next year? Or if you can't give me a raise, how about a signing bonus? Or how about equity? Or how about more vacation? Right. Or, you know, there's a lot of different things that you have. And so I would tell people, right, to um, to know that you don't just have to accept the first or even the second offer that comes your way, that you can hang in with a little bit of patience and creativity and you can, you know, uh, negotiate for more in a way that's still going to leave everybody at the table, you know, feeling positively about the working relationship. I hear that. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. Really quick follow-up question. What's the longest negotiation you've been a part of? Like, how long did it take? Well, you know, in my job at Columbia, so I run the mediation clinic, right. which means that I I help people resolve their negotiations. Right. Um, and I've had a negotiation that lasted a year. Wow. You know, people had somebody had an illness mm. um, and a hospitalization and a lot of stuff was happening, a financial crisis. And what I found is, you know, yet again, with a little bit of patience and persistence, I was able to help these folks, you know, bring the negotiation to a close. And it tells me that timing is important. You know, sometimes it's good to not have that much time because it it gives people permission to kind of reach, uh, you know, a quick deal. Sometimes you need a little bit of patience, you know, and you can tell that maybe now is not the right time. But if you hang in there, right, Right. that you might be able to get to a deal, you know, in a month or two. And I hope that that's something that might give some hope to your listeners right now. Sometimes there are going to be deals that you can close quickly now, even during the pandemic. For some of them, you know, it might not be now. You're going to need to just keep checking in with people and you might reach that point where somebody says, you know, I wasn't ready last month. This month I'm ready. Let's talk. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. And you mentioned that you're the director of the Columbia Law Mediation Clinic uh, and also a professor there. Actually, I got to hurry up and wrap up our conversation because you have a class to teach in about 30 minutes or so. (laughs) Uh, But I want to ask you this. Kind of share with us your experience uh, just from a teaching standpoint, teaching at Columbia Law or even when you're uh, in your role as a negotiations trainer at the U.N. Just kind of talk about your experience with teaching and how much you enjoy it. You know, I feel like I have the greatest job on earth. Um, and let me and let me tell you a story Please. that really reflects what I love most about teaching. So, you know, how I told you I, I signed that partnership uh, with the United Nations training right. Uh, arm. Right. And when I signed that partnership, I signed it so that, you know, my students and I were going to be providing this high quality negotiation training to the U.N., And here's what I want to tell you. When we first started that partnership, you know, again, I was a younger professor and I was nervous and I wanted to make sure it went really well. And so my students would do the research. But when we got to the U.N., I would stand up and do the teaching. Over time, I want to tell you that we have now changed that. My students do the research. And now I get up at the beginning of the day. I welcome everyone. And I turn the teaching over to my graduate students. And I have trained my graduate students and empowered them, many of whom, you know, they come from places all over the globe. They may have English as a second language or never have stood up and delivered a workshop in English, but they are now empowered, just as we're empowering these diplomats to ask for more for the front of the classroom. And it wasn't because the students got better. It's because I got better as a teacher. And my greatest joy, my greatest joy as a professor 
is sitting at the side of the classroom and watching my students conduct something with so much confidence and seeing these diplomats raise their hands to be called on by my students. When you set somebody up and then you watch them soar to even greater heights than maybe you could do, there is nothing more rewarding. And that is what gets me out of bed every morning, knowing that I have the greatest job on earth. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. I, I want to ask you this because, you know, we were on your website, alexcarterasks.com uh, and Startup Nation. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access. If you want to, if you're listening to the replay on the podcast, just kind of share with us, you know, the type of uh, content and value that people get when they go to that website. Absolutely. So first of all, I want your listeners to know, right, that I say this anytime I train people, we're now colleagues for life. I hear that. And so I want you to think of me as your partner in your long-term goals. And so when you go to my site, again, that's alexcarterasks.com, A-S-K-S, you're going to find a few things. So first of all, you'll find an invitation to join my community where periodically, don't worry, I'm too busy to spam you. I will send, (laughs) you know, things that I'm, you know, I'm working on things that I've been teaching. And so you can get in your home some of the things that I teach at the United Nations and at at large corporations. You can also find a link if you're interested in having me as a speaker. You can find places to buy Ask for More. And importantly, in the downloads section, I have several free webinars that I produced, you know, all during the coronavirus crisis, completely free and shareable. So people can learn more about how to conduct successful virtual negotiations. They can learn more about negotiating through uncertainty, and they can even learn about negotiating work-life balance in the home. And all of these are free resources that people can use. I heard that. Thank you for sharing that. And once again, Startup Nation, that website is alexcarterasks.com. We have a link there in the show notes if you're listening to the replay on the podcast. So I want to ask you this as well as we wrap up uh, with you today. Once again, thank you so much for your time, your value and your energy today. Really appreciate it. So uh, I I saw that, you know, you you talked about your, your husband and your daughter. I want to ask about your daughter, Caroline, a little bit. So if I were to ask her and, you know, and she gave, you know, in her own words, if I would ask her what mommy does for a living, what would she tell me? (laughs) It's so interesting because I overheard her actually on, you know, Google Classroom with her uh, teacher the other day. Somebody asked her what she did. And she said, my mommy basically talks for a living. Uh, She helps people (laughs) negotiate and she asks good questions. Ah. And and that's what she that's what she says, you know, and I'm it really, you know, when I think about what I hope to achieve in the world, you know, I hope that my daughter grows up in a world knowing that her voice counts, Mm. that she has a seat at the table, you know, and that, you know, women too can stand at the front of the room and claim their value and teach people how to negotiate. So um, that's, you know, that's, I think what she would say uh, I do for a living. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. And I know that, you know, one of the many hobbies uh, is cooking. So I want to ask, what's a good recipe during, you know, since we're all quarantining here and social distancing, what's a good, what's that go-to recipe in the Carter household? All right. Well, well, this is a flex, but, but uh, I'd love to share this. This is great. So I have a recipe really simple. It's crispy Italian eggs and I, I got it from an Italian chef. So I get a stainless steel pan 
I heat it up real hot with some olive oil, okay. right? And then I crack my eggs into that. Okay, so they're frying in the olive oil. Okay. I add on top smoked sea salt, mm-hmm. oregano, and cracked red pepper. And what you're going to find is that those eggs get super crispy on the bottom, but they're still runny on the top. And they've got uh-huh. this delicious, you know, seasoning. And that is what I eat for breakfast every morning. It's my power breakfast. And it's what gets me ready to do, you know, a few podcasts and webinars and all the other stuff that I'm looking to do over the course of the day. So crispy eggs are where it's at. I hear that. Crispy eggs is where it's at, Startup Nation. Uh, so what's your superpower and why? Um... My superpower is helping you find yours. Mm. You know, really, I'm at my best when I'm coaching greatness out of other people. And it's not like I'm producing something that wasn't there. I merely see what they have inside them that they don't see yet. And I teach them how to call it forth. I heard that. I heard that. Thank you for sharing that. And before I ask the last question, just once again, just want to say thank you for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time. Once again, Startup Nation, the book is Ask for More, 10 Questions to Negotiate Anything. We have a link in the show notes if you listen to the replay on the podcast for easy access where you can purchase this at any of your you know bookstores, Amazon or you know the Google bookstore, wherever the case may be. That's uh, You can access this book and purchase it. As well. Also go to alexcarterask.com, A S K S.com for more uh, great value that Alex shares and become her colleague, as she says, uh, as well. But Alex, I actually wanted to turn the microphone over to you because there's somebody in Startup Nation who's feeling a little stuck, feeling a little afraid to kind of start something or to even negotiate or ask for something. Kind of share with us some words of uh, encouragement to take us out for today. Yeah, you know, I, I want you to know that. If you're listening to this, you know, I don't care whether you're a management consultant, you're a mechanic, or you're a mom, I promise you that you too can negotiate and you can do it with confidence. You don't have to be the biggest, you know, most aggressive person in the room. I can tell you I'm only 5'2 with my sneakers on, right? So they don't even see me coming. Gotcha. All you have to do is learn how to ask a few great questions. And you too can negotiate and feel confident doing it. I hear that? And that's going to wrap up our session with Alex Carter here on The Startup Life. Alex, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Hey, this has been a great conversation. I, I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, look forward to staying in touch with your listeners. Sounds good. And as always, Startup Mission, if you have an idea, be about that life, The Startup Life. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new Startup Blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.
Hey, Startup Nation, here is some bonus content with our conversation with Alex talking about the importance of asking for feedback after the negotiation. Here you go. I would summarize that, right? And then I would ask them, you know, anything else? Like, what other concerns do you have that I can address? I just find the more I'm asking for feedback, the more the person on the other side of the table says, huh, this woman is really trying to get it here. And that, again, once again, I'm trying to recruit the other person to my side and to let them know, right, that they're my partner. And even after the negotiation, you know, asking people, you know, how did that work for you? You know, so next time, you know, um, what could we do to make this an even better experience? You know, I really find that the more I have relationships where we're continually steering, right, where we're always trying to go someplace better together, the more people want to come back and do business with me. You know, and for example, I I have a speaking business where I go in and I train a lot of different corporations or agencies or not-for-profits in negotiation. I've never, I have never, ever had a one-time client. Why? Because after each engagement, after each negotiation, I like to ask them, what more could we have done for you here? You know, how could I improve? Or, you know, what could I do next time to really serve you? And I also continue to steer the conversation. You know, I'll call them every couple months and say, wanted to let you know about some work I've been doing for some other people. If any of this sounds like it could meet your needs, let me know. What are you looking at this year? What are your organizational goals? Tell me how I can help, right? Again, the more you can steer that conversation the more that person is going to want to, you know, be in that kayak with you for the long haul. All right, Startup Nation, hopefully you found that extra content as valuable as I did. But I promise I'm about to let you go now. Have a great week. Talk to you soon.